Good morning. Well, that gospel ended on a wrenching note. Many are invited, but few are chosen. Doesn't sound like good news to me. It also doesn't sound very Christ-like to me. And unfortunately, it's one of those lines in the Bible. It's often misread, misunderstood, and misused in two main ways. It's cited by some who feel it necessary that they have to exclude people from the church. It's also used as a mantra by those who are convinced that the kingdom of heaven is something that has to be earned, that only a few of us who jump through the right hoops may be called chosen. I thought it was interesting when I was preparing my thoughts for this morning that the church actually gives the homeless the option not to read those last four lines. You take out all that garbage about the garment and who's chosen. It's a nice, warm, fuzzy gospel to preach. But why do that? For once you take a look at what really is happening, the deeper meaning, you'll, you'll pick out the true message that Christ has for us. So as with other parables, we need to step back and take a look at the context of where and to whom the parable was given. See, Jesus is back in Jerusalem. He's teaching in the temple. The chief priests and the Pharisees confront Christ, asking him, who gave you the authority to teach as you're teaching? Well, as usual, Jesus first answers that question with a question back to them. But then tells them three parables. And they're all focused on choices made. Jesus is attempting to get their attention to think differently, to choose differently, and to open their eyes to the teachings of God's kingdom. See, we begin this triptych of parables two weeks ago, and each story builds upon the other, with Jesus using words and imagery to jolt the priests and the Pharisees, culminating with the shocking ending of today's gospel, those words of exclusion that only some are chosen. You see this concept of God supposedly choosing some and not others, that was the one deeply rooted in the beliefs of the Pharisees. The point that Jesus is making is that God, that it's not God who's doing the choosing, but rather it's you and me. And this is what I mean. This week we listened to the last of the three parables with the familiar story of the wedding banquet. And in first century Jerusalem it was Customary for the one throwing the wedding to send out those kind of save-the-date reminders. And as you get the wedding date got closer, another invitation would go out. Some even say that it was tradition for the person throwing a wedding, especially a king, that as a gift he would provide clothing for those who were invited. And with the king being the host of this wedding, you would have to assume that anyone who is anybody, that A-list, those who were certainly expected to come, Those were the ones who were first invited. But no one comes. So the king sends out his servants to remind those on the list, it's time to come to the feast. But all those invited, they decided not to come. Some of them even killed the messenger servants. And so in retribution, the king sends out his troops to slay those murderers and destroy the cities. And knowing that he still has a feast waiting to be tasted. The king decides, you know, that first batch that we invited, uh, they weren't the right ones. My mistake. So he sends his servants out again. This time, invite anyone you can find. 
bad and good alike, people like you and me. And soon the hall's filled with all kinds of people. But there's one character who decides to show up without wearing the wedding clothes that were probably given to him. Not to accept that gift and wear the clothes was kind of rude and offensive. Thus, he didn't pay the slightest respect for the host in his own way, and therefore he decides to not fully accept the invitation that was given to him. So you keep in mind, this story is being directed right at the religious teachers standing in front of Jesus in this temple. Because they are insisting that they are God's gatekeepers, and they determine who will get in and who doesn't get in. And they have no interest in listening to Jesus' teaching about love and compassion and inclusion. In this story, they are the ones who are really being likened to the king, not God. Jesus is comparing this king, who is driven by vengeance and exclusion, with his own peaceable kingdom that operates on an entirely different principle called mercy. The two are radically different. These last few verses of the story, some feel they were actually added on as part of another parable. This was Christ's way of saying to them that they too, the Pharisees, have been invited. But they're too arrogant and they're too focused on their position of power and too focused on fostering a culture of separation. So what are we supposed to walk away with today? What's the message in it for this morning? And actually, that answer was given to us in the first reading of Isaiah, where it says, On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will provide for all peoples a feast of rich food and choice wines. And the Lord God will wipe away the tears of every face. Clearly, the feast is provided for all. Maybe that's one of the points Pope Francis was making when he presided over the weddings of 20 couples in a historic ceremony last month, St. Peter's Basilica. Notably among the couples married at the Mass were some who had children, some who were already cohabitating, and some who were previously married. In his act of compassion, Francis married couples whose circumstances reflected the reality of modern sexual and marital habits. This is particularly noteworthy in light of the current synod on the family taking place in Rome soon to close, a gathering which finally is exploring how the church can better respond to the many challenges of family life with mercy and compassion. And with so many things our Pope has done in the past year, it's aimed at an imitation to all people to have Christ as the center of your life. See, that is the core takeaway of today's gospel. The imitation is there for all. The choice is yours as to what you want to do with it. You can certainly decide to opt out of the king's wedding, choose to be miserable, selfish, judging others, and reject the invitation to the banquet. But despite what you do, God's still throwing a party, and we're all invited. The feast will continue with or without you. Now I can stand up here and preach to my heart's content about God's love, but it always does carry the footnote that we're the ones who need to respond to that invitation with love and joy and compassion and surrender. Our response does matter 
Our behavior matters. Our participation matters. Our intentions matter. And indeed, our actions do matter. The kingdom of God is not something to be earned. Rather, it's here and it's now. It's your call, your choice. You decide.